0: Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon. I'm here with Lou Blasi, my local traffic <laughs> person, because it was a very large crash that I could not see on the highway. I was like driving the 405 this morning in California. This morning? It was like I was on the oh, 405. Oh, it was like driving
1: the 405.
0: Because yeah. I was dead stop getting here, which is why everyone, the show was late. And you know what I did? I did what I preach. I said, I can't. Do anything about this? Right. And guess what? Oh, well, <laughs> that's the end of that. So I did text Lou and say late. And then I put traffic and then I put O-M-F-G. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wrote, you wrote me something like there's a, there's a crash on the southbound side too. Yeah, It wasn't something.
1: even on your side, it but that's where all the side. traffic was. <laughs>
0: right, but all the, cause they, someone must've been looking at it, but I never saw it, but yeah. I was stuck in it. Yep. Yeah and poor people are going to be sitting there it felt like it was going to be for a long time and it
1: looked like it was going to be it for a long time. was
0: quite backed up and i even yeah. jumped off and jumped back on and it was still when you said that i was like oh i'm at the light <laughs> <laughs> but i did i felt like i was in california this morning just sitting in traffic for hours to get here all 11 miles away and it took me forever <laughs> to get I know, here. right nothing like starting the day off like that so anyway Um, Thank you for telling me, Lou, about my traffic.
1: I don't know how much it helped, but...
0: Well, it it made it this, you know, just... I knew there was a crash. I just never saw it. Yeah. So sorry to everyone that I'm late. Am I really sorry?
1: I don't know why there was no traffic on the side of the crash.
0: And I don't know. Well, I don't know because I didn't see it. Yeah. (laughs) I just saw the traffic.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So anyway, good morning and how are you? I'm okay. Are you? Uh, Why do you say that? I don't know because the last couple of weeks... I just sense that you're not okay.
1: I'm stressed out, but who isn't?
0: Well, uh, well, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's perfect because you know what we're talking about today. But first, I have to catch you up on my weekend. (laughs) (laughs) but first let's talk about the weekend yeah so um we are talking about spiritual wellness today and parapsychology but before we get to that that's right remember yes see and i've actually had people going and saying i can't wait for talking about that so hopefully i don't disappoint but um anyway so this weekend i was in nashville i know i oh that's right you know because you follow me um if you don't follow me you can certainly follow me on instagram you can find me on instagram it's easier to follow me there and then you can know all this crap before I get there. <laughs> um, but uh, I was in Nashville. That Nash- looked like a party. It, well, Nashville is quite the town, let me tell you. <laughs> and um, we had lots of fun. And I was there for a variety of things, mostly to have girls' weekend fun and to see Winona Judd. Um, and at the same time as I got to see Winona Judd, not only did I get to see Winona Judd, just about 10 rows off the stage which was fantastic mm-hmm. i also saw trisha yearwood and martina mcbride and oh. brandy carlisle and ashley judd
1: performing or yes wow
0: all at the same time well ashley didn't actually didn't perform. she came on and talked about something important which is why it's sort of important here um she talked about the importance of using that number the new mental health number that came out instead of dialing nine one one. But to call nine eight eight, if you have mental health issues or suicidal ideation, um, because uh, as we know, their mother Wynonna and Ashley's mom took her life at the sometime in the middle of this year. And um, so the concert was beautiful. And I'm not a necessarily a Wynonna fan in terms of the fact that I don't know her music really really well. I just know some of it, and I'm not. It's not the genre I follow predominantly, but I know a lot of the songs and whatever. But um, I would see the concert again because her voice and her presence is so amazing um but i have to say that if you're going to see the show it's one of if you're an empath like i am right and you have that and this ties into the spiritual and the prayer of psychology if you are a person who is a feeling very connected person to other people's feelings which is why i asked you today is that something up because you i can feel it off of you um it was probably one of the most heart-wrenching shows or things I've been around as a group like that, where it was so visceral. Mm. Um, the pain and anguish in Winona From every song she sang, from every moment she was breathing, from every step she was taking, it was a little painful. Mm. <laughs> so it was, you know, two and a half, three hours of feeling. So I just wanted to give her a hug. Yeah. Because um, you could tell when, she, you know, at moments she was Winona and in it. But there was very few and far between. It was much more about, you could just, she was teared up most of the time. But she sang like nobody's business. And that was just amazing. But I feel for her. My heart goes out to her. Um, You know, her mother, if people don't know what happened, her mother, she was in her 70s, has been fighting mental health issues. The whole family fights mental health issues all their lives. Um, And her mother actually very unusual for a female to use a shotgun and take their lives that way Hmm. um now that's just a story i know that happened i'm not sure exactly all the details on it but um usually when we all talked about this because all of us girls were together this weekend but they were asking me psychologically what goes on and i was talking about that women typically if they have suicidal ideation they typically do not do it with a shotgun right? um men don't necessarily use much either but men do yeah but because they have more typically have more access whatever women typically use like overdosing or sit in the car in the garage or i don't want to give people ideas but yeah but nonetheless they do it in those ways but to do it the way that she did it um yeah Yeah. because it's very um likely that you will miss if that makes sense you'll miss or you'll hit yourself and you'll maim yourself and then you're incapacitated and much like the time, oftentimes people have the same thing when they hang themselves. I know this is really gory and weird, but we're going to talk about it because it has to do with spiritual wellness. Um, but when people hang themselves, if they get found before the 15, 20 minutes of that asphyxiation passes, they often have brain damage. So, um, those are unusual ways to do those types of endings. Um, I know it was very morbid, but it is Halloween week and yeah. spiritual week. And, um, but it was very sad. Uh, and I feel for her. I, I speculate. I did see her on the today show right before the show last week. She was in New York, I don't know, a couple days before It was and talking about her, uh, mother and, and the show. And it was funny cause her husband plays the drums and plays also guitar, the husband that she's had for 10 years, but he's been around for a long time with her. um, and the last show of the of her whole tour was supposed to be on Saturday mm-hmm. in Kentucky, like right after the one we saw. Um, yeah, he said no because she needs distraction because she needs to be full. So they are doing the last tour has now extended yeah. into next year. So she will be coming to the DCU Center oh. in January. Mm-hmm. So if people want to see her, I highly recommend you going to see her because I think the show's great and she'll change it up. I think some other people are going to then take over Trisha Yearwood's. And all the other artists place and then come in and and sing with her but um they're sort of taking over what her mom would have been singing mm-hmm. so but it was a beautiful show but it was just really sad yeah and yeah so very very sad yeah and i hope i hope that she's okay because when people when we talk about suicide especially when you have a first degree parent like a parent the first degree family member to commit suicide it actually raises raises the um percentage of a uh, child who's not you know adult child even up almost 70 something percent it waxes and wanes but 70 to 72 percent chance that that person that's the child of the person who did it would be more likely to and i think i think winona is at a high risk yeah um just by watching and feeling her um yeah so it's very painful especially when they're so connected and they did everything. Their whole career was very intertwined. And yeah. I think that, you know, the Juds. I mean, the show's called The Juds, but there's only one. So it was very, it was excellent, but heartfelt.
1: Was that? Good morning,
0: th- Joe. Th- Joe, I hope you're feeling better. Just so you know.
1: Yeah, I hope Joe's feeling better. <laughs> was that that the only tone of the concert, for example? I just watched the, it's funny you bring this up because I just watched the uh, Taylor Hawking Tribute yep. show,
0: yeah,
1: with Dave Grohl and everybody. I and love Dave. Yeah, he might be the best person on the planet. I, I don't know. I just get that vibe off him.
0: Well, you know, I've met Dave Grohl. Have you? Well, yes.
1: I'm oh, that's right. We told me that story. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I had had a time with Dave Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> we we may or may not have been with Sammy Hagar. May or may not have been at Cabo Wabo.
1: Now that's a gathering, right having drinks together. But that one oscillated between the celebration of life thing and um, you know the feelings about it. You could see you could see a lot of stuff going on in that show, but it it was like the ocean: waves came in and waves went out, type of thing.
0: Yeah. So so I think so I haven't seen that show yet, but I people asked me about the Winona um, show about whether or not. Good morning, Kathy. Kathy was with me this weekend, by the way, in Nashville, so nice. she can attest to what I'm talking about. Um, the um, the people asked if it was a tribute show to her mother, and it wasn't, even though there were parts of it where her mother was playing sure. in the background, yeah. um, in terms of like the songs and whatever. But Wynonna never turned around, and mm. Winona actually really didn't move. She's notorious for being pretty move, movement oriented on the stage. Um, she had a little trouble with her gait, and I think I would imagine she's I don't know this, and this could be clearly wrong but she looks like she's probably on a little bit of psych meds that make her have some tardive dyskinesia so she's yeah. a little stiff um which i would imagine is because you know someone's sure monitoring her psychiatrically for whatever so she's on something so but she stayed very still and i think that was also to wa- a way of controlling her emotions because it's easier when you stay still it feels like you're in more control than if you're moving um And, you know, certainly she did move a little bit, but she was very, like, stiff in her neck when she turned to look at Brandy or Trisha or her sister. Um, And it was very controlled. But when she sang, it was like, wow, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't like what you're just saying with Dave Grohl, where it was more of a tribute. It wasn't a tribute to her mom. Her mom was definitely part of it, um, but more undertone of it. So, which maybe even made it sadder because I think... They're trying to blend it. It was a beautiful show. I highly recommend people to go to it. If you're a country fan, for sure. If you're not, I think it's still worthwhile because, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, right, Kathy? You just, Kathy, Kathy will say yes.
1: Did Trisha and Martina perform or were they just part Trisha, of the-
0: Oh, no, Trisha and Martina performed. So Trisha took over- Martina's killer. Martina opened she's, the
1: show. She's killer. And good.
0: we were we were a few minutes late to the show because we were all busy doing our hair. Makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so we might have missed the first couple of songs, but we did hear a good 35, 40 minutes of her saying. And she was, that girl has the best boots I've ever seen in my life. Boots? Yep. Okay. She want to make sure I heard you
1: correctly. Boots.
0: She <laughs> has we we were we were Googling and Amazoning during the show, trying to figure out where she got her boots. Because, and of course, they're probably specially made, but they sure. were amazing. And every outfit change, she had one to match, and they were amazing. Um, but uh, she sang beautifully, and um, it was amazing. It was amazing. And yeah. Trisha Yearwood. So when it was usually Naomi Judd's part, Trisha almost always was out there doing it, or Brandy Carlyle was out there mm-hmm. doing it, or they were tag teaming. And at one point, all three of them were out there with with Moin on it. And then they sang. Then she sang a song specifically. Um, that her husband chimed in with the guitar with and and she got very tearful and he kissed her and it was very sad I and mean, oh. it was like heartbreaking yeah so and i don't think it wasn't a purposeful plant to like get us all to feel bad it was just it was very genuine so it was very good look at cat said yes <laughs> <laughs> um okay so and, oh besides that did hit coyote ugly if you're in nashville oh really <laughs> and you ever saw the movie coyote ugly we were all like let's go to coyote ugly it's everything it, yes
1: <laughs> yeah just what you thought it would be uh
0: yeah. yep. yep that's why when i posted as you saw i said i coyote ugly that's all i'm going to say
1: <laughs>
0: because yes it was it was coyote ugly and it Excellent. was it was fun and of course because it was halloween weekend everyone was dressed up in costumes Oh on God. top of what and it was i've i've never seen costumes on adults as amazing as i saw this weekend collectively i mean they were just spectacular i've got tons of pictures of really interesting bizarre <laughs> very sexual very deviant very angelic you name it it was there
1: Let, letting loose <laughs> it was Everyone like vegas, vegas
0: on steroids yeah. but,
1: everyone's letting loose
0: oh they were they were so we had a very a very fun time um and uh Beautiful weather, and so I was very happy that we got to do all that. Sounds
1: like a great weekend.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: Well, yeah. Nashville is kind of the Vegas of the East, anyway. Yeah, without, without the, the rides. Yeah, without the rides and
0: the casinos. Yeah, but the you know the whole area. I mean, great food. Yep. Great entertainment. Oh, great shopping. I may or may not have done some shopping. <laughs> may or may not. Yeah. Allegedly, right? Um, there was lots of lots of uh, lots of good times and. As you saw, if I can get a good Bloody Mary somewhere, and I don't ever really drink them because no one ever, I'm like, that's not what's on my mind. But when you go to places like that, they always make those like, they're like breakfast bars, you know, yeah. they have bacon and
1: yep. they have yeah. everything
0: in them. Yeah. I had to, you know, have one of those just because I could. Yeah. <laughs> so when I had that, now I'm like craving, I'm like, oh, I really want a Bloody Mary. Yeah. No, well, it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So any other questions about that, Lou?
1: No, it sounds like a blast.
0: All right. So now moving along this weekend, I'm going away, but I'm working this weekend. Away. Okay. So this weekend I'm going away to, I'm working big cat.
1: Oh, big cat right. rescue.
0: So big cat rescue has our 30th anniversary of them as us, us being open of saving um, and rescuing and rehabbing and um, releasing bobcats but also big cats and exotic cats and so on and so forth so that we have the big walkabout uh it's an invite only so wildcat walkabout is this weekend so I'm flying out tomorrow because I'm working weekend at Big Cat. Hmm. So that's not quite the same as you know <laughs> Nashville. <That's laughs> it's funny. Just, it's yeah. just in a different way. Just mixing things up. Yeah you know from country and western to tigers, yeah. lions,
1: yeah. bobcats. bring your boots. Yeah for the walkabouts
0: yeah, my sparkle boots, I could do that. Uh, so, but that's also a very cool thing. And we've never, every time I say, I'm going to talk about it, and we're going to do it. We always get sidetracked, but, yep. um, certainly if you are interested in the, the knowledge of, you know, wildcat sanctuary up in Minnesota, where I've gone to and help out, you know, in terms of like just being supportive and then my work at big cat rescue in Tampa, Florida, um, certainly you can go online and I would say go to my website, but my website is currently under review because it needs some help because as you know, my friend passed away last year and um, he was the manager of the website. And subsequent to that, my website has taken a few hits and and it's being (laughs) revamped. So um, if you need that, you can still, if you need to have information, you can go to bigcatrescue.org or you can go to wildcat sanctuary and you can find all that information on how to help and end the trade of Exotic animals, and, so
1: um, they survived Ian pretty well. I take it, Tampa did, didn't get hit, hit terribly did. bad. Um,
0: the storm, mm-hmm. um, Ian came through about 100 miles south of, of where it was supposed to land, which it was supposed to land in like the Apollo Beach upwards into Tampa Bay and into um, yeah. Tampa, and it slid by underneath them, which is why Fort Myers and Sanibel and all those places got just,
1: yeah,
0: hit hard. So, and I have several friends that lost their homes um, completely gone. So, pray for them.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, All right. Ready? I think so. All right. So, is Ron listening?
1: don't know. Okay. Who knows what's wrong? You should
0: have told Ron, Ron, you got to listen yeah. cuz you didn't even remember what we we're talking about today.
1: I'll send it to him.
0: Okay. Um so so the topic today that we are going to focus on because of All Souls Day, All Saints Day if you want to call it that and and Halloween was I I often do uh in my class I talk about parapsychology because people are so fascinated with parapsychology and what is it? And is it really a real thing? And, you know, people always think of, you know, the paranormal shows is kind of funny. And, you know, you can doctor in anything on the show and, you know, Ghostbusters, and whatever. Um, But actually, parapsychology is a real true thing. Now, if Ron Kolick was here, I'm sure we'd have a huge debate. Yes. (laughs) We would have a huge debate on all kinds of things about parapsychology, but he's not here. So I get to say what (laughs) I know and what I and I do with parapsychology. So I am not a parapsychologist, but I do teach about it in my intro class um, because people are so fascinated with it and people are love mediums and people love psychics and so on and so forth. But it actually is a true actual field of study. Um, And it investigates the the psychic phenomenon supported by mental abilities like telekinesis, uh, teleportation um, and like telepathy. So being able to mind talk to each Mm -hmm. other. Right. Um, It's a postgrad
1: program, actually. Yeah. It's it's a postgrad program. I know a double doctorate.
0: Oh, it is. And it's and it's so it's growing in its popularity and it has been. I want to say for at least probably really heavily for the past 20 years, but even more so in the past 10. Um, And now you can become a parapsychologist. And and what parapsychologists do when they get a doctoral uh, in it, uh, they try to test the existence and explore the nature of the possibility that there's experiences and things that are out in the sixth sense or the paranormal realm. Um, What you see on TV isn't quite in terms of like the – you know they go out with those Geiger meters and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know they, you know they do use. I I do know some parapsychologists and some doctorate level and master's level people, but um, there was there was a show on many years ago. I don't think it's on anymore, but it was pair I don't know. They're all paranormal something, but it had the guy Adam. They were from the the think tank down in the University of Pennsylvania, and he did some years of shows on on that. And what he was doing was parapsychology. Hmm. He would often go in. To these homes where they would find the stories were here's what happened here's these phenomenon that were being reported um you know there were some really interesting ones if you go and google uh or go to youtube and you watch um there's one episode called six and it's a double part series and it was ended up being this um for lack of a better term like a demon that ended up being followed by the group um demon used loosely because that's the word i'm using um but a negative spirit or negative intention in the world that was happening around people um and and i think he's probably he and his group of people because they come from the parapsychology think tank are much more credible in terms of what they're doing because what their what their findings often are is that yes there is something out in the in the realm of para Mm -hmm. but there's also the psychology piece where people um, manifest feelings or concerns or negativity around them or sensations of also positivity of like bright light and warmth and right. love and, and all these things and energy, um, which is what many mediums do, right? If they're true mediums in the, in the world of parasite. And, but oftentimes what would bear out is that people have psychological issues that were driving the phenomenon for the existence to the extent that it was existing in their brains. Okay. Which doesn't mean that that doesn't exist. Just means that oftentimes there was like, it was like a dual diagnosis. There was possibly something happening, but a lot of times it was coupled with um, that psychological manifestation of, you know, usually, usually people with trauma or, um, people who have existential angst. Now, what is existential angst? It's kind of like the worries in the world of like questioning things. That spiritual wellness piece is really not mm-hmm. settled and grounded and balanced that they're trying to find it. So, you know, we always tell people to go towards, you know, lighter, brighter positivity, productivity kind of things. I mean, that's the whole world of psychology is being humanistic and, and happier, finding your joy, not the the negative, but oftentimes you'll find that in the cases where there's a paranormal or a parapsychologist person working with someone, it's usually because there's so much darkness or, or negativity in the form of, you know, childhood abuse, neglect, yeah. abandonment feelings, perceived or real, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very long list. And so parapsychology gets a bad rap because you can't see it, can't touch it. You can't feel it necessarily like by texture. And it's something you have to be able to kind of just get a grasp on that. There's a possibility because there's so many things that look coincidental, but you know, people, how do you explain some of those interesting experiences that most people have? And if you're an intuit and more an empath, like I am, you're more likely to have like the belief that, Oh yeah, that's actually, you know, you're connected. You know, why do twins that live all the way across the country? Yeah. know when something's happened to each other, why when my, I've told you, why would my father got hurt when he was in Vermont? I was in Florida did when it happened, it woke me up and he was standing in the doorway, but he wasn't there, but yeah. I could see it. And then the phone call came like, so, so there's something to be said for having that tele connection with people. Um, and interfamilial and intergenerational and the passed down. So there's lots of really great reading out there. There's more and more research happening. It's very much more of a soft science than our, cl- like me yeah. as a clinical psychologist, we have hordes of resource resources and research on what I do for a living versus the parapsychology, but it's newer and it's really any, you, and you can't see the, the next dimension, so to speak, yeah. but people, you know, can feel it and believe in it. And, um, and here's the here's the downside to it one of the downsides is that you have to be very careful because you have people that claim to be parapsychologists when they're not or paranormal fill in the blank whatever word they want to put in a medium a psychic etc and then they're really what they've done is they've gotten really good training much like a psychologist mm-hmm. they've gotten really good training on how to intuitively watch for cues So here's, here's that, you know, the darker side of, of the business is they, they know, how to watch for cues in your tells on your face, your microexpressions. There's actually programs where you can go and learn how to be a medium and how to be a psychic. And they don't call it like that. They say it's it's you're honing your skills. Yeah. Well you're honing your skills in many cases in these places to do that exact work by being able to read a person like, you know, I sort of make it a generalized laugh when I say this year, I could look at you and say, I psychically know you're going to go on a trip. And you're going to find a new friend. And people who are in the need for um, validation and support and love and belonging, it's obvious the likelihood is that everybody's going to go on a trip this year and it's likely you're going to find a new person and a friend. So I can genuinely say that. And then if someone's really looking for that in their lives, they're going to be like, oh my God, you're so good. Yes. Oh my God. And I just met someone and I am going on a trip And because and then you look for the tells of the person's eyes lighting up and so it's very important that i always tell people when they're going to see a medium people say i'm going to see a medium especially around this time of year i say don't give information yeah be as flat in your face in terms of affect as you can and you know no smirks no smiles because you don't even realize sometimes like if someone says something they give away that you've got their their information because you've hit their Emotional center, the you know, you've actually hit the polyvagal nerve where there's an emotional connection that they've just hit on, and you, as the person telling the pair, the pair person, you might not realize it, but they realized it, yep. and they can capitalize on that. Now, that's, that's the, the people with
1: legitimate skills, however, right. have basically the same skill set. It's just more intuitive. It's not well. That's learned.
0: so. There's the upside yeah. of it yeah. is that when you have a a true psychic or a medium psychic I'm, I'm looser on that one but on a medium someone who can really intuitively feel and do those skills which is important right because intuitively I do that in my office yeah. I can read people like I can read you right yeah. I, you don't tell me so I said something's up but I don't have like someone sending me a message right telling me that whereas a medium will say that they have messages coming from family members or other worlds and whatever telling them that so that piece is Le- becoming more legitimized by the parapsychology because they're studying it in so many ways and they're studying brainwaves and they're studying um energy fields around people in, in auras and body you can study that because that's sure. actually real stuff you can actually see that we emanate in energy and we emanate energies that change in color on on different scales and meters that we can right. that are actually valid and legitimate so um
1: we're a big mood ring
0: we we are (laughs) we we are definitely a big um mood ring so in in terms of parasites parapsychology um i just wanted to really quickly before i move into spiritual wellness because i don't want to lose time um that so people talk about like precognition remember that movie with um Oh, Tom
1: Cruise. Oh, and no, of
0: course I can't remember the name of it, but he had the precogs, the three people that were in the water and they in uh-huh. pre- and, and they could see murders happening and the whole movie was about like stopping murders in the in like the whole country. Minority Report? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it. Oh my god, you're so good. <laughs> Thank you. That's why we work well together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So precogs
1: Because I can pull out a Tom Cruise movie yeah, exactly from 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. Yeah. But hey, at least I'm, you know, yeah. there. So precogs uh, you can be precognitive because it's the way you're perceiving information about the future. So such like, you know, people have visions or dreams, um, premonitions, you're precognitively anticipating something coming. People do that all the time. Yeah.
1: There's and a level to that. Right. Right.
0: So there's, so that's what it is. It's on that continuum of some people don't anticipate. I mean, I have people that don't anticipate anything and yeah. then I have people who anticipate everything. Right to to a detrimental degree yeah. because there's no way that these you know, the worst case scenario planned for it and it's gonna happen.
1: I'm that right? way. I don't have conversations because I know how they're gonna turn out. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's true. i, I there are no moments in my life. Talk. <laughs> there are moments in my life where I'm going, I'm gonna ask somebody something else. No, I know how it's gonna turn out. So and it's not precognition, it's reading people and it's just it's reading the room is basically what it is.
0: So so okay. So here's the thing. So parapsychology would say it's the other thing, but yeah. he would say, uh, well that's reading the room. You're just you're just knowing that I know that if I say this, it's not gonna be yeah received well, it's not gonna go where I want, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. It's not so gonna be productive. It's not gonna be productive, right? So there's a difference, right? Yeah. Um, then there's clairvoyance. This is another piece of it. Clairvoyance is perceiving information about distant locations. So like a lot of times people will say I'm clairvoyant, but they won't use that. They'll talk about teleportation, um, you know, doing, e- you know, doing ESP work, um, being able to communicate brain to brain, distance to distance to a location, you know, yeah. um, I think that you know, magicians who are really good at m- being themselves as magi- magicians would say it, there are magicians who call themselves, like David, Copper- David Copperfield, like talks about clairvoyance, like, yeah. you know, and moving an elephant from, you know, Vegas to New Jersey or whatever. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing is is, you know, so there is that piece, but I don't know. So I have no, I don't know personally, I don't have those feelings or intuitions or anything. So I don't know that, but that's part of parapsychology. Um, Then there, of course, there's telepathy, which is communicating mind to mind without the use of normal senses. That's probably the most common one I know of and see because people connect mind to mind all the time, especially in their families. Um, Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's twins knowing each other's next thing, or just feeling something happen or father, daughter, or whatever. So that's one thing, but also, I, I liken it to, you know, the look you get from a parent without them saying anything. They're mentally telepathy. <laughs> you to shut up yeah. or to stop the behavior. I mean, that's kind of telepathy because what it's doing is you're getting a message without words. And yeah. sometimes there's been no words ever associated, but you just know the look. So what I grew up with, and you probably did and I always hear this in my office is, I just knew when to stop because I'd get the look from my mother.
1: Yeah and oh, how course, do, and yeah. i would
0: say how do you know the look oh the look said everything you knew you better stop or you knew you were in trouble
1: but that's primal children right. are children need to read their parents right to for survival that's one of the first skills they acquire
0: so right and so i think and it's also a survival skill just in general cuz you have to read your room right the bear in the back of it you have to know if there's something coming yeah um I think human human beings now aren't as good at that because of other things. They Do we, just we don't have, pay we, attention to it, have, and we have self awareness yeah. issues, and we have crutches built in for us. Um, but telepathy is always around us, so we're using it always. It's just a matter of how you how you're describing it, how you're looking at it, right? Um, Those
1: situations are. There's a lot going on there, but everyone's had a situation where they've walked into a room and felt the tenor of the room. Oh yeah, without. You know without communication right but that's just that's again and, that's and parapsychologists yeah. would
0: call this call that being in um telepathic i would call that reading the room and being intuitive yeah and being self-aware like you walk in and and you feel the tension in a room you're like okay what's going on in here kind yeah. of thing yeah. right whereas parapsychology would say well that's because you have telepathy powers or energy whatever it is. See, so, yeah, yeah. I can't even use the right word. That's
1: a matter of degrees. Well, yeah, everything, because some so of everything it is human being human. I think is yeah. really on the
0: continuum yeah. from one extreme to the other, where it falls into the realm of like just psychological phenomenon of a human being and primal and, and just known model anticipation learning all the way to, yeah, there's a sense of fifths you know, the different senses, yeah. you know, you know, dimensional by, bidim- you know, bi-directional. What
1: you talked about with your father, that's remotely. Right. My lone paran- quote, paranormal experience had to do with my father too. And it was, you know, I could write it off, but uh, that was a different thing where it was happening remotely, being in a room and being around people. And I I think there's physiological, I think there's pheromones involved in that. I think think we smell, we feel energy. Yeah. I think that's physiological in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases, but when it's remote, that's when it gets compelling to me.
0: Well, right, because that's something that is unexplainable because you can't, you can't really describe it. And no one can see the experience with you, but you have the experience. And yeah. it's, um, and I like that word. It's compelling yeah because it sticks with you. It's not a dream. Dreams usually fall away and you're like, oh, I had this thing and I remember whatever. Um, but those kinds of things stick with you. And they're so visceral because, it, you know, it's like, you could say, did, did you see that?
1: Well, did that was just briefly with my father. I he had cancer. Right. But he wasn't terminal yet. And he was in remission actually. It was prostate cancer. And I got on a schedule of seeing him every other day. Right. And I couldn't see him on this particular day because my wife's, my ex-wife's sister was getting married and rehearsal dinner was that night. So I called him on the phone and I talked to them and I didn't have a reaction then. But it was like an hour after I got off the phone, I was here working, and I just got this overwhelming compulsion to go see him anyway, to fit it in. And he died the next morning during the ceremony. Again, from home, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't late stage or right, anything right, like right. that. It was just it was somewhat unexpected given the circumstances. But the strength of that compulsion was just stunning to me. And the skeptic in me says, well, I heard something in his voice. I didn't hear anything in his voice. Right. And, and it didn't happen to an hour later. But it, I was so strongly compelled. And I rearranged everything.
0: Because there was something connected yeah. that you felt was not right. And it pulled you towards that.
1: Yeah. Right. And it was the strength of that. That was so fascinating to me. Right.
0: Well, my, so my father would tell an experience and I, and I think this is to that point. My father often growing up told the experience of when his, when his brother, my, my uncle, Jack, my uncle Jack was killed in a car accident by a head on drunk driver many years ago, Mm. coming back from college at Clark university, back to Vermont. Mm. And, um, the passenger, his passenger, one of the other people in the car survived and the drunk driver survived. Um, but my father tells the story of my grandmother um, waking up, because it was the middle of the night, waking up yeah. and saying something has happened to Jack. And then, yeah. you know, it was back in the 60s, so it wasn't like cell phone. So, And then, yes, so it was the exact time, you know, yep. frame of that happening. But there was no way for her to know. But she woke up straight up in bed. My father said and was like, something's wrong. And so this mother son connection and the connection between, you know, so that's the compelling thing is like, well, there's, that would tell me that there's a parapsychological connection to someone, um, the mind to mind connection or the, the neurological pathway to pathway connection, which is what we do. We do tons of twin studies around this because twins are so mind to mind connected to telepathic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just fascinating, you know, because they're so intuitive about mm-hmm. each other and um, it's very different than in a lot of other cases. So. You should
1: watch Ron's show from two weeks ago because I talked to Steve Parsons, who was filling in for Ron. Ron's had been having some back issues. And we talked about that phenomenon and how it related to quantum entanglement. Yep. We were trying to tie in into science and whether we were asking, we we're asking, is, is there a physical element to consciousness? Mm. that we're not, in another dimension that we're not aware of, aware and of. is there entanglement that way in consciousness
0: mm-hmm. it, so so i would say that in in terms of talking about it this way mm-hmm. in terms of psychology i would say yes because if there's that dimensional piece believe right,
1: there's a believe there's a physical element to consciousness yes that yeah. there's
0: a that there's an entanglement with yeah. the physical absolutely yeah. and so
1: because that what that that's what that suggests
0: because right yeah. and and it's you know, now I wouldn't have called it that, but I would now I'm going to, cause it sounds like, Oh, that is actually what it is, you know, visually to me, but it's, it's more about that. Um, I think about it, neurological entanglement, like that you're, you're so neurologically connected to someone familially or so connected, f- um, friend wise, because you've either grown up with someone or you're so, um, now past life regressionists would say it's because you're so neurologically connected to the person because you've lived in a life before with them so you're connected to them somehow um which gets into a whole nother piece but it's it's just fascinating because i i like that that quantum leap that he is talking about in terms of like how to describe it for some people because you can't you can't explain it any other way really it's not coincidence people will say That are non-believers or whatever. Say that's coincidence.
1: Yeah, ask the person. A lot of coincidences. And And again, there's a lot you can write off. Oh yeah. If you want to be skeptical, and that's fine because I do it all the time too. But there are certain instances like the one you described where it's just remote and there is no, there's no, there's no way to write that off. Right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's the thing. And if it's and it's your experience. And no, one, I always tell people if they have their experience and and they're telling me in my sessions about things, because um, they say, "Oh, my family doesn't believe me. I don't want to tell them." But I'm like, if you feel it, like, because they're going to get criticized or they're gonna get, I'm like, it's your experience, and you know. And I always, because uh, of what I do for a living, I have to check to make sure they're not psychotic, you know, they're not yeah. having hallucinations and delusions yeah. of of grandeur and things like that to make sure they're not on you know, harming to themselves. But um, when it's when it is just plainly what we're talking about here. I, I just say, you know, own your experience. It is what it is for you. And, you yep. know, and if you think that, you know, that thing happened and it's coming to you and it feels good for you. Great. Um, so, and yeah. I, and I typically don't have people tell me about these negative, awful experiences. I don't have people talking about something bad happening or something. It's usually some of these really good connections other than, you know, someone like, they know that they predict like my dad and, like he was, injured or something yep. but nothing that someone's not coming to them saying like uh oh, you're gonna die or something. but like you that.
1: have to parse these out on, on that right. show there's an example i use all the time a woman who called us and she was talking about how she knew her father was present because every once in a while she'd be walking through the house and she'd smell his tobacco smoke
0: right and now it's like
1: well that's smell is very strongly to Connected to memory. Right. And that's chicken and the egg. You cool. thought about your father and the tobacco smoke came to you. It wasn't, it's not in the room. And maybe, chances cause it are. It because yeah.
0: it, it would likely be subconscious or, you know, it's, or it's, it's underneath the surface, oh, yeah, absolutely. you know, because we, I talked about this on Ron's show a while back. Um, by the way, I keep referencing Ron. Ron Kolak has a show, Ghost Hunters. Ghost Chronicles. Ghost Chronicles. Oh, I would say Ghost Hunters. I'm sorry, Ron, if you're listening. I always mess that up. Monday's at 11. Okay, you, on... don't even t- you don't even call me by my right name, so that's okay. You can even know me forever. Monday's so, at 11. On Monday's at 11. Ghost
1: Chronicles Facebook page. Right. But, yeah.
0: but on that show that we did, one of the shows that we did, we talked about his side of it, and I went from the psychological side of how the brain has the primitive piece in it, you know, in the, deep in the recesses of our, our cerebellum and, and so on and so forth, that we associate olfactory smell is such a big associator and that our subconscious and our unconscious mind will yeah. conjure up things for whatever reason right because yeah. and i use the example of my grandmother very specific perfume and i can be and i don't have the perfume i don't have it anywhere around me whatever no nope. i can be standing in the middle of my house and smell it
1: and, or you mentioned Fenway and for me, it's sausage subs just right, comes up.
0: Right. Yeah. And so, so it's really dependent on, you know, all of a sudden what is going on. And, and when that happens for me, and this is what I would tell someone, I was like, are you currently thinking about her, him, is something recently triggered? Did you watch something yeah. like, so that you're, you're trying to figure out what is in reality that we can see, taste, touch, whatever, that's maybe driving the intuition to be there or the want for the person to be there or connected to you, et cetera. Um, because that that, you know. But it what, can
1: be on a very innocuous level. Yeah. Whatever whatever triggered her to think about her father, she may not have been doing it, as you said, on a conscious level. Right. right. Something the it's way just something yeah,
0: that's yeah. it's just something that's sitting out there. She
1: read something or heard a phrase or something that, that was happening in the background of her brain. Right. And then it connected to him and the the mind threw up the smell of tobacco smoke. Right. Uh, Pipe smoke.
0: Exactly. So, so here and now, here's another association piece. So, you know, my friend Bill that passed away last year, right? So, he's he's passed away. So, there's a difference. This would be more like talking to. I've had a couple experiences where he has talked to me. Now, parapsychologists would say that in your dreams, people will come to you, and if they if they're facing you, if they're looking at you, if they're talking to you, it means something. If they're facing away from you, it means something. I'm not going to go into all those things right now, but there's different things, but Association wise, Bill would always, right before my marathon, he would always say really specific things to me. And then the day of the marathon, he'd say really specific things to me. And the last two Boston marathons I've run, I've had dead on dreams, visitations, right? Or dreams of him directly talking to me, looking at me and waving at me as he said what he says. But it wasn't always the same thing that he said before but it is similar and then i haven't had it any other time just then yeah now is that happening or is it me knowing that i'm used to that and therefore i'm wanting that and wishing it and it's coming in my dream to repair my brain but it happens and it makes me happy so i go with it you know
1: it's the sum of that soup of those whatever you're thinking and going through right before you run a marathon right so
0: so uh, you know I would say if it's just purely psychological, it's like, I'm used to it. It's association. It's something that gives me positivity. And interestingly enough, and I don't know if Cameron's listening, but his son Cameron this year before I ran the marathon. And he didn't know that. Cause he's young, he's younger and we never discussed it. And I know that, his, yeah. that he wrote me something similar to what his dad had said to me yeah. in the dream. And I, right before I ran and I was like,
1: Hmm. yeah
0: you know chills because yep. because now is now something is it coincidence i don't think that's coincidence i think that's
1: that's no, modeling that's
0: that's neurological connection Yep. if we're thinking of it on a scientific le- level but it's also um i think cameron's really connected to me in that way because his dad was connected to me in that way and i think cameron read the room because cameron knows but didn't know that he didn't know no but now, now he's going to know. <laughs> so. No, but
1: he knew his father's mannerisms and his right. way of speaking right. and the way he approached right. conversations. Right. So some of it came from that.
0: And But the thing about yeah. it was he never knew that his dad did that. Yeah. He never knew that his dad like, would...
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So, you know, so th- there's those pieces. Um, okay. So then we have ESP. We're moving on to the next piece. ESP. Now that's perception that is like, that you transcend like all the five senses and, and it's all the different things that go along with it. You can have that... Um, just ability across the board. Now, people who are mediums and psychics would say they have ESP. They can read your mind kind yeah. of thing. And we can talk about that forever. Um, then there's telekinesis and then psychokinesis, which is manipulating objects um, with the power of the mind, like moving something across the room. Every time I think of that, I always think of back in the day. Now, anyone listening probably doesn't remember this unless you're older, but um, the bionic woman, <laughs> remember the bionic woman yes i do okay lindsey wagner lindsey wagner is jamie yeah. summers right yeah wow <laughs> the, you know they i just remembered like it was at ha- a point
1: in my adolescence <laughs> for certain characters that stick
0: well, that's because she was really cute yeah so right so yeah. you associate it with that maybe yeah. but there were there were scenes in that show from time to time that used her having telekinesis and tele and, and psychokinesis of moving objects. Yeah. I think wonder woman with Linda Carter, you did that as well. Oh yeah. So um, you don't see that quite as much in shows. I don't see that quite as much in shows now, but in terms of that use, but that power is there. Um, I don't have much to say about that because other than I see magicians do it, but there's tricks and stuff yeah. to the trade. So, yeah. but that is one of the things in terms of parapsychology, the um, out of body experience, OBEs. Now,
1: Oh, love those. Now,
0: OBEs are really interesting from two perspectives. And Ron and I have talked about this before, because what you're doing is you're perceiving your body from outside your body. So you're, it's almost like, well, not almost, you are looking at yourself from above or from over there or, you know, so as a psychologist, when people tell me they have OBEs, I have to always question because I truly believe that they have the out of body experience, but here's the thing. As a scientific, not soft, squishy science, but real science in Mm -hmm. terms of fact, when someone's GABA neuroreceptors, their anxiety receptors and their mood regulator, serotonin and norepinephrine, move in their brain and they drop and they get really anxious and mood dysregulated, the body, when you've had an anxiety attack or a panic attack, has a fluctuation of movement where it actually, I can tell you this because I've had anxiety before in performance and I've felt it. (laughs) So I can tell you firsthand. So
1: we're talking about physiological phenomenon here. Your
0: physiological body actually feels like it leaves you. And then comes back in. It could be a second. It could be a minute. It could be five minutes. It could be whatever, right? It can be long periods of time. People actually train themselves to do this. Really? Yes. Um, For what purpose? <laughs> I, well, I could I could say a lot about this because yeah. I know people in my life that do this or think they do this.
1: A I'm impressed. B, why? What the hell?
0: <laughs> so so a lot of people that will do OBEs will say that they can travel around the world, that yeah. they can travel around Oh,
1: I see. Okay. Like that
0: they can tra- yeah. like that they can be sitting in the room like this and they can go to Turkey. They can yeah. be in Italy. They can write whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know about that. But what I know as a psychologist, remote is that,
1: viewing is what we're talking about. Uh, right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So what I can say is I think that the experience of sight, like when people say that they were in the operating room and they could see from up above, down below, I think that's an interesting phenomenon because there's so many reports of that and they're so individualized, but yet there's so many that it has to be some kind of phenomenon that right. either it's really an OBE, right? Like we're looking at, or it's an actual, um, um. maybe close to death experience. Yep. And so you're looking at yourself and then you leave your yeah, body and kinds then you of, come back.
1: All kinds of things going on it, in your I body. Mean, right. There's yeah. right.
0: Um, but from a psychological perspective, when a person gets really, really anxious and they get like even the tingly, like ugh, and that cold sweat or the hot sweat or whatever, that's part of the experience of dissociation. Your body and your mind, Are trying to disconnect from the uncomfortable feelings emotions Uh whatever it is and so the body is working really hard it's in conflict so it's fighting each other so you're actually dissociating so as a psychologist not a parapsychologist but as a clinical psychologist i would say the person's having severe anxiety when they feel like they've left their body and come back in um and if they've left their body and not come back in for a long time you know, we can, it can lead to things like dissociative identity disorder, which is like what used to be called multiple personality and switching out and all those things. That's super rare, by the way. That's like really rare. So an
1: instant onset, single incident disorder that happens because of this disconnect.
0: Say that one more time.
1: A one instance, a mental disorder that comes to light because of this one instance of disconnection. Out of body experience, an extended out of body experience. Yeah. Wow. One a single event. Wow.
0: Well, I mean, so if I'm understanding you, like it's it's not it's it's one single event that can happen, but it usually will continue. Yeah. Right. So it and it can be later in life, like someone can have trauma growing up and then have these things later in life.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's a coping strategy for many people because I see little kids do it all the time. Yeah. And little kids describe it really well that they're outside their body Yeah. and they're not delusional. They're not psychotic, even though their pediatricians will send them and say there's something wrong with them and say they're psychotic and they're not because you know, yep. right. Cause it's anxiety. It's saying it's the, it, the person is dissociating from the reality of the anxiety and the stress and whatever's happening to their emotional, their polyvagal nerve that's mm-hmm. dysregulating their, their brain to their stomach and making them leave their body. Now people who practice OBEs, and practice doing it um when you have spiritual leaders this is a different piece when you have spiritual leaders i won't name them encourage people to step outside their bodies and do this it can become actually kind of dangerous because it separates your reality world from yeah.
1: unrealistic
0: unreasonable and somewhat delusional and you can get stuck hmm. now i have someone that i know in my life that. I don't know if they're still practicing it, but growing up years, I they would talk about this all the time that they would leave their body and then they could see it and they float around the room. And I had a very interesting childhood.
1: <laughs> it sounds like
0: it. I know, and I'm being very careful of how to identify yeah. this. And and then they'd be stuck, and I just remember as a child being like, "What the hell are you talking <laughs> about?" So yeah. one one can wonder why I went into psychology um or not, but but that's not the sole experience of that person. So I know now enough, because I've done this for almost 27 years, that I have enough people that have the anxiety experience. But it's it's like what I said at the top of the show, is that parapsychologists look at to, is there an existence of this one realm versus this other? In time and again, anecdotally, I find that it's really a movement of anxiety of the body f- absolutely feeling it. Like, cause I can attest yep. for the fact that when I have had severe anxiety, like right before I used to perform right year, years ago, that would happen to me. And I would know, like, oh, I'm so anxious. And there goes my body and there it comes yep. back in. Cause it's a quick flux. It yep. feels like, right. Like that sound.
1: Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that the sound to Yeah,
0: In my, in my yeah. head, in my body. Yeah. Yes. If yeah. that happens to me, it hasn't happened in a long time, but that's what happens. But so I don't encourage people to practice that. I think that's a bad skill to have. It's not a great coping strategy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um,
0: and it's usually a trauma response, um, and and it makes sense because like the person I just described, <laughs> I think has a lot of trauma. So this was a coping strategy that they used to get out of their head and space, but it also could get them in a lot of trouble. I think in yeah. a lot of different ways. I think it's I think it's a bad idea, um, to practice that. Um, and and then and then in terms of like really quickly because I want to get to another piece, even though we're going to run a little long because I was late. Yeah. Um. And we can talk about this again uh, another time. And then there's also the piece of um, parapsychology that everyone thinks of is like hauntings and apparitions yeah. and ghosts and all that stuff. Um, we can talk about that at a different time. And I can get Ron in here. We can talk about ghosts and hauntings and things like that.
1: Isn't just quickly, though, this out-of-body experience yes. is, for kids, isn't the imaginary friend kind of that, a degree of that?
0: Um, it's that's on a, that co- scale. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a coping. That is definitely a coping strategy for yeah for kids is is, you know especially when they have high anxiety and they feel like they they're lonely or abandoned or have lacking attachments or poor attachments like insecure ambivalent or insecure avoidant parents that aren't like really present for them um the imaginary friends definitely can be part of that you know um it's
1: externalizing their psyche exactly yeah
0: right um so so what i can say really quickly um is that uh In 2011, just before I move on to other things, a major psychology journal published a paper that reported evidence for a lot of these things, like uh, precognition, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But most scientists struggle to replicate results and findings, and this is this is the downside of fact versus fiction in parapsychology: is that you can get people to really take all those different concepts I just gave you, and in one study it can be boom right there, and then in another study it's not there. Yeah. Whereas in clinical psychology and social psychology and communities we can replicate over and over and over again. And that's one of the big criticisms of parapsychology is that Mm -hmm. the, the results are non, non, non-repeatable, repeatable. repeatable. And, and, and if they are, they're few and far between, and they're, then they're loosely connected. Um, Whereas in, you know, when we know the phenomenon of, you know, PTSD and cognitive behavioral therapy, it, right and true comes out over and over again. That
1: but did. that doesn't necessarily eliminate their possibility. Right. Just that we don't no, have the ability to repeat it.
0: And I, th- and, right. And so yeah. one could say that it's, it's just, we can debunk it and it's all crap, which I won't do that because I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Or one could say that it's hard to replicate because it's dealing with something we can't see.
1: And can't control.
0: We can't control. We have mm-hmm. no idea. And it's also based on people's people's defense mechanisms it's based on how suggestible someone is it's based on religious and cultural upbringing yes it's it's got lots of pieces to it that you don't have involved as we call them confounding variables things that get in the way of trying to get to the actual phenomenon whereas in other things we can control for the confounding variables in this case we can't hmm And that's one of the, you know, I'm very loosely going over this. I mean, we could do five shows on this. Um, I have like pages and pages of stuff that I had notes on that I could talk about. But that's it for that. Um, But really the last like seven or eight minutes of the show, um, I wanted to talk about spiritual wellness, given that we just talked about that. One of the things that, um, and I can talk more about this next week as well. One of the things that I work on and practice with my clients is we do like a, a wellness wheel, which I've talked about many times ago. But the wellness wheel has, you know, financial wellness, sexual wellness, um, friend, family wellness, employment wellness, you know, vocational, um, you know, whatever that is, mm-hmm. but, but it also has spiritual wellness and people often go eh, <laughs> because people associate spirituality with religion and they're not the same thing. Right. And they get turned off by spirituality. I just had a client yesterday ask me what I thought about going to church and, always a tricky question because i have no i have no um bias for anybody anybody that i can go to church what i said to him was if you feel faith and strength from going to church and that gives you some spiritual peace or solace or whatever it is you're looking for and that will help you
1: do it yep
0: because if it works for you right i mean right cbt cognitive behavioral therapy is going to work for someone was for someone else it might, and they might need interpersonal therapy, right? So it's whatever feels right for you. And so it always leads to these very interesting conversations because I tend to lean away from religious talk because it just doesn't doesn't get in. in, That's like politics, right? (laughs) But I get into, I I say, you should be broadly open to watching for and listening for all things that would make you feel centered and balanced. And if that comes from Judaism, if it comes from Buddhism, if it comes from Catholicism, Christianity, Muslim, whatever it is that you're seeking and it makes you, or or the earth, energy of the earth, which I'm a big believer in, um, then go there. Yeah. But so the spiritual wellness piece on the wellness wheel is, is something that I think people often forget to talk about. And I talk about it with my clients because it involves values and beliefs and, and, and a sense of purpose that can get you better in a lot of different ways, both physically and mentally, if you work on it. And it's not all this, it's not about God. It's not about worshiping another object or a person. It's about you. It's finding your internal balance and, Um, So I'm going to give the, I I have a whole bunch of ways in terms of that. I hope I get to them. But so I'm going to say them first and I'll go back through them. But the first one is exploring your spiritual core. The second one is look for deeper meanings for yourself. Um, Three, get it out, like get out what you need to get out. Um, Four, I use this loosely, try yoga, which has a big, (laughs) okay. Because that's very different for people. Five, travel, which is experience-based exposure, um, six, think more productively or more positively, which is very specific. And then seven, um, taking time for self and mindfulness and meditation, which is not sitting around, you know, with, um, Right. right. Um, so we will probably not get to all of these today in detail and I can come back to this next week, but for, in terms of spirit, exploring your spiritual core, what you're doing is you're basically just asking yourself questions about, um, who you are and what is your meaning which scares people mm. because the answers sometimes are i don't know i, I don't know. know what i'm doing um but when you're asking yourself who am i well
1: that's touching your self-esteem issues right. in many cases where you don't feel you have any personal values so when you start exploring your who you are right you, you have to face yeah. your own thoughts about being low value
0: potentially right yeah, Potentially, and so okay so So when I ask people to do this, I say, who are you? Um, What's your purpose? Um, What do you value most? Um, These questions lead down a road where you're going to be able to think more in depth about yourself and allow you to notice things that would help you achieve more fulfillment. I ask all of my students in my graduate class to write two papers a semester. The very first one in the first week is, who am I? Hmm. And you should see the room, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the angst that comes up because, and it, because I'm very specific about the question. They're only allowed to write one page, no more, no less. Because it's a fail if it's more than one page. Yep. Because I eliminate the BS, right? But then, I explain to them, I don't want to know who you are, as in, I'm a student who goes to school. I want to know. Who are you at your core? And I explain the spiritual wellness side without calling it spiritual wellness that, like, who are you to this point? Who do you see yourself as being? Who do you want to be? Like, so that it has depth. I say, look in a mirror as if you're going into the deep recesses of the mirror and saying, really, who, what do I value? What do mm-hmm. I believe in? And all those things. And 90% of the time, I get these amazing self-searching papers that end up with people saying oh my god i never did that exercise and that was so amazing now i do that with them because they're training to become psychologists and counselors and whatever i do that with them so they can feel what it feels like to really go into oneself because we're asking people to do that all the time is look in deep
1: lesson one processing
0: yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah um And people have a tendency to be very surface and go with what you you get. And I think a lot of times psychology sessions fail with clients because psychologists don't ask the right questions because they don't go deep themselves because they only go with what's given instead of what I think I do. I always go deeper. And and I say, yeah, yeah, yeah." but I hear what you're saying. However, but what is your real purpose? Because people will give you surface answers like my purpose is to make my family happy. No, no. That is not, I, yeah. that's a purpose, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of work on really getting to that core of, of your value and belief about yourself and it's hard work. And that's why people stay away from it. Also the fear yeah. that it's having something to do with religion because it's about self judgment and self worth and all the things you were saying. So um, being able to do that, cause that, I think that's one of the biggest things to find balance is to know yourself. And if you know yourself, you can t- stay true to yourself and have great integrity for yourself.
1: How do you find what you're looking for if you don't know what you're looking for?
0: Right, right. Or yeah. if you're and if you're always avoiding what you what yeah. you right, and that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, look at now I'm going to get sidetracked because your friend Bruce, yeah, he says, "Do we have a soul?" That's an interesting concept. Okay, he's going to derail me. All right, that's fine because I can come back to these yeah. next week. I think that's a. Um, a very common question i don't know if we have an actual physical soul i mean i don't know if anyone can actually i i know i know that i grew up with a catholic priest that would say we have an actual physical soul and when i would ask him where it was he couldn't tell me so that <laughs> that killed that for me so um now in doing this work i think that the soul is an ethereal space within self that is your your where your ego is where which also is not an actual structure in your body but it's the it's the psychological manifestation of the accumulation of good bad and indifferent things that have happened to fill you up or to deplete you and so or to make you the best possible person or to make you the worst possible person or all the things in between so do i think that we have a soul yes but not an actual physical thing um I think that when we are happy, joyful, kind, compassionate, balanced, we have a full cup and full soul or as full as it can be. Or core, now in psychology I call it a core, our core center. You know, it's where your core beliefs are, where your core comes from about how do you move forward in life, whatever. When the core has sadness and emptiness and darkness where your, your soul is struggling, you know, it's interchangeable. I think the word, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's visually or metaphorically like a vapid space that's either filled in some capacity or is working on being filled for your best possible life, which is what I try to help people do, or it's depleted and empty. And so when you talk about like narcissists and souls, their souls are in darkness and in emptiness. And that would be also their cores are in emptiness or darkness and they're struggling, which is why they tap into other people's souls Mm -hmm. and they drain them to fill their cup up or fill their soul up while draining the other person. So it's such a good question because um
1: well you started it it, to me you started it with spirituality and religion this is a lexicon issue right because a lot of the principles are the same yes i absolutely believe you have a soul i believe it's consciousness right Mm -hmm. but you know it's just it's your term you're using whatever makes it work for you whatever allows you to grasp the concept right if you want to use soul that's fine you want to use consciousness fine
0: right in, so in psychology, yes. So if we're talking specifically religion, people would say, yes, you have a soul. Yep. But I, I always put it out there that there's no physical structure. So it's a consciousness or a subconsciousness.
1: Or is there quantum entanglement?
0: <laughs> but it would still be existentially out there because we know that there's no structure in the body.
1: Mm, in the dimensions we're aware of.
0: Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Well, you're no, just going that's right not, down. You,
1: that's you, not woohoo. That's quantum science.
0: I, it's not woohoo. <laughs> that's not woohoo. <laughs> not woohoo. I love quantum it. Quantum
1: science is kind of woohoo, but still, that's another story. Well,
0: No, because quantum yeah. physics isn't woohoo. So, yeah. But so, to my knowledge in right. physiology, in kinesiology, and the things I've studied of the body in anatomy, we do not have a structure that would be the soul.
1: I, I that's a good point. Fine point. And we yeah. do
0: not have a structure that would be the ego, the id, and the super ego, but I sure know it's there. Yep. But it's not a structure. Right. But I know how it gets built physiologically mentally and so on in terms of the entanglement neurologically yeah because there's where it is because it lives in the brain it lives in the body and cannot and talks to the body and the brain
1: the soul the consciousness the observer position is what is riding around in this vehicle right the rest of it personality and all that stuff is about what happens to you in this vehicle right and what the stimulus and the things you have to deal with but there's a there's a core consciousness that is separate from it yes that's the you know mostly widely referred to as a soul
0: right and i and i think yes i think that's one way of uh, yes yeah for lack of better explanation i think yes and so i mean if we had a religious leader here they would debate of course and so that's fine but i think that coming from that realistic space that is for sure
1: there but okay. I, when, when you were talking about spirituality and religion i wanted to there's a lexicon problem here that people have to get past because all the modalities from what you talk to talk about to mediums to witches to uh catholic priests all down the road a lot of the principles are the same mm-hmm. it's just a different lexicon and a different approach and different right. mythology around it
0: right exactly yeah. and i and i think that um even though we didn't get to it fully today and i will next week because i'm going to I'm going to stay on this topic next week mm-hmm. because I think it's so important. I think that whatever is going to work for you in terms of finding balance, as long as it's not delusional, and delusional is a right. belief system that can be really healthy and it can also derail and go into distortions and in not so healthy, crazy places, right? So, as long as it's something that's fit, fitting for you, it doesn't matter how your terminology is, but it's are you finding a balance mm-hmm. and are you being, are you having your own integrity? That's because you've soul-searched, no pun intended, because you've soul-searched to really get to the core of what's going on so that you can make yourself the healthiest you can make yourself. Is right. it
1: helping you or is it contributing to the problem? Right, exactly. This belief system.
0: Exactly. Oh, you know, Bruce, you're killing me. So <laughs> I, I will answer that next week. He wants to know, so is that ESP? I, I do not believe the soul is the same thing as, or having a soul or not is having ESP. I think they're totally different, mm-hmm. totally disconnected. Mm-hmm. I mean not disconnected. They're just not the same. Yeah, different so, skill set. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think ESP is a is an action, whereas a soul is a, a thing, a being, mm-hmm. but not real. Not real as intangible, tangible, touchable.
1: ESPN is an in, in a degree of antennas up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, I it's, use, it's like the filter that brings in the information that makes yeah. the soul fill.
1: I always use this, I always use this example. You got two people walking in the woods. And one seeing the birds and hearing the deer and, you know, seeing everything that's going on. And the other guy's just swatting mosquitoes. It's about where well, your it antenna sounds, is it tuned. like
0: when I'm walking through the woods with my <laughs> yeah,
1: Well, yeah, but it's 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 a matter of your antenna being tuned right. and how skilled your antenna right. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everything's out there. It's just a matter of whether it's you're, you're paying attention, you're picking up on it. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, everybody. Thank you for listening. I hope that was informative for you. And I will continue on with my seven points of spiritual wellness next week because we didn't get into them. Um, And uh, I know people will be happy to hear about that, I'm sure. Thank you for all the questions. And I will see you next week. Have a great week.